When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to the Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means, Andrew Gillis. It's Tuesday. It's recruiting. Actually, this is the last recruiting pod we're going to do for a little bit here, mainly because Ohio State plays America's team next Saturday, and that's a little <laughs> bit more important. It, it's a little, we'll, we'll, we'll take a bigger deep dive into recruiting stuff once we get through the next three weeks, depending on what happens next weekend, November 25th, up in Ann Arbor. If Ohio State wins that game, they're obviously going to – Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game. But then signing day is around the corner. It is about a month away. So we will be doing more deep dive stuff in the recruiting. But today we're just going to do a rapid fire question. Do you like that? You like the America's team? Did you, you like that? Oh, very good line. I, I did not expect it. It was I, I enjoyed it. Very funny. Thank you, man. Thank you. Ryan. A plus, I, Stephen I just, Means. I mean, look, Picking man, off where I mean, you left off after the wedding. I like you know, it. When, when you go through adversity, just got to – Pick your head up. People and, love you when you go through adversity. Did you know that? You. Yeah, man. When you go through adversity and you're trying to overcome it, you're trying to overcome a, a, a Penn State team who decides not having the – no, no, we're not going to get into that. We're here to talk recruiting and not here to talk about Michigan, at least not right now. We'll be talking a lot of Michigan over the next week and a half here, though. That is for sure. So let's get into these questions. Get to text 614-350-3315 if you want to participate in surveys, ask questions, get news analysis, literally anything. We text it before we do anything else. Two-week free trial, $3.99 after that, 614-350-3315. From the 937, hey, guys, just a quick question on recruiting. How big of an impact does Ohio State losing games have on recruits that are already committed? If Ohio State loses to Michigan, should we be worried about decommits? Thanks. Andrew, how much does that matter? Ohio State's lost two games in a row to Michigan, they don't necessarily recruit the same way as we went over when we did the recruiting pod last week, but if Ohio State were to lose a third straight time to Michigan, would that have any significant impact on Ohio State's ability to recruit, especially right now having the number two class in the country with 23 commits? Well, I mean, look at the, you know, just kind of go look at the history. I think those are kind of maybe two different questions. Um, you know, I think it's very easy to say, you know, oh, no, kids are going to decommit whenever they lose. I know that's a fear that a lot of people have. That's not typically the way that this works. Like Ohio State lost in 2021 to Oregon. And Ohio State had its massive class, obviously, that um, that was just outstanding. We all know some of the names from that class, obviously. I mean, that was the class that was second in the nation behind um, – behind Alabama and they were right up there. So 
you know, you can lose, right? Like, I don't want that to, I don't want that to sound like I'm making excuses for them, but you can lose and it doesn't mean the recruiting operation is falling down like a massive hill because you go 11 and one. The Michigan thing is interesting because I think the Michigan thing, like losing to Penn State or losing to, like, for example, like a Notre Dame, I think that those maybe have a little bit more. Like I understand what you're getting at when you ask that because those mat like that game matters more. I think maybe what Michigan does after it because it's very easy to sell a kid on coming to a program and hey, you're gonna get developed and you're gonna this and you're gonna that. But what do high school kids want? They want to win a national championship or compete for a national championship, and they want to go to the NFL. And Michigan has now done this consistently where they've made two straight college football playoffs and that matters. That's the, that's the rub. That's where this matters. So I think, I, I think that there might be an interesting pod that we can do at some point in the off season, whenever, if ever we get some Michigan punishment stuff, that's, that is going to impact things. But as it relates to losing the game against Michigan, you know, Tavian St. Clair is not going to turn around and say like, oh, well, now I can't go to Ohio State because they lost to Michigan for a third straight time. Like guys don't turn around and say, wow, they lost. That's crazy. Like Justin Scott, I think is a great example. Like if Justin Scott were to flip, I'm I'm not predict. I'm not, I'm just using him as a hypothetical because I know he was considering Ohio State and Michigan. If Justin Scott were to flip from Ohio State to Michigan after the game, it would not be because Michigan beats Ohio State like 23 to 20. It, it like his his future is not going to be put on the line for one game. Like kids are smarter than that. So I think it matters in the way in, in like a more broad term, not so much in a man they lost the game, now things are going to change. I think it matters kind of more generally and, and more helicopter view because if Michigan can get to a national championship game or win a national championship then Michigan can turn around and say, you know, we are competing with, you know, Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia, which I understand that they made the college football playoff the last two years, but they got smoked by Georgia in the one year and they lost to TCU, who then got smoked by Georgia. So and Ohio State almost beat Georgia. So there are there are situations where, you know, making college football playoffs is great, but kids want to go to the NFL. Kids want to win a national title. And if Michigan is able to do that, then that matters far more than them beating Ohio State in a single game as it relates to recruiting. I understand it might not feel that way for a lot of Ohio State fans, but kids are not going to look at the scoreboard and see a three-point Michigan win in that game on November 25th and say, can't go to Ohio State now. Like That's just kind of, uh, th- that's just not the way that these kids look at these things. And, and that's, I mean, that's pretty smart of them to do that. You don't want to commit to a game, you don't want to commit to a school just because they won one single game, even if it is a trend at that point. So, you know, I wouldn't worry if, if Ohio State does lose to Michigan, I would not sit there and worry that say, this is the reason why kids are going to decommit. If, if kids are going to decommit from Ohio State, it would be more than because they lost one game to Michigan. What if they lost three straight to Michigan? Would that change things? Maybe, but the sense that I've gotten from a lot of these kids is that, you know, they understand, like, Ohio State's not going anywhere as a national title contender, right? Like, Ohio State's not going anywhere as a program that can get you to the NFL, and that matters. I I think the issue would be 
if Michigan can get to that level, because then Michigan might be able to recruit some of the same kids that Ohio State is recruiting. And then you get into some murky waters where you're not maybe getting kids to decommit. Kids aren't decommitting. Maybe you're just not getting them right. You know, maybe Michigan goes after some of these guys in Ohio and maybe they get an Aaron Scott or a Bryce West or whoever, like maybe they go get one of those kids because they can sell them on, Hey, we are just as good as Ohio state and that matters. So it's, it's not an individual game. I think it's, it's kind of more in the general aspect of things. Like it's not going to be a decommitment. You, you, so like you wouldn't see it in the 24, or the 25 classes, you would see it in like 26. If, 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 if Michigan's able to keep doing this and keep winning that game and keep elevating themselves as national title contenders, then you're probably not even going to notice it, which I guess is a little scary because you're probably not even going to notice it because those kids are going to consider Ohio State and Michigan, and then they're going to commit to Michigan. <laughs> we have a bunch of questions about Texas A&M after they fought, fired Jimbo Fisher, which, I mean, he wasn't doing a very good job there, asking are there guys that they could potentially flip in that situation. I don't think so. That's not I, I would not expect that to be the case. Look, just in looking at Texas A&M's 2024 class right now, which ranks 10th nationally, they've got a couple of five stars. The only guy that they even have in common with Ohio State in terms of he was an Ohio State target was Dominic McKinley, the number 38 player, the number seven defensive lineman out of Louisiana. But I, I don't think that that's a race they'll get back into. I would not expect Ohio State to be trying to flip Texas A&M commits. Now, if we want to have a conversation at the end of this month of are there offensive linemen on Texas A&M's roster that maybe Ohio State tries to go to, to get into the transfer portal, sure, we can maybe have that conversation right there. I'm not saying that because I know anything. I'm just saying logically speaking here, Ohio State's offensive line has been fine, but it hasn't been so good that you don't explore other options in the transfer portal this offseason. I, I think Andrew would agree with me on that yeah. statement right there. So I, who knows? We'll see. But I would not expect Texas A&M commits in the 2024 class, 2025 class, to be flipping to Ohio State or Ohio State to be even involved in that conversation. So hopefully that clears up any questions people had about that, which I know it's an understandable question when a head coach yeah. gets fired from a program who's putting together top 10, top 15 recruiting classes, regardless of how they're going about doing it. It's fair to ask, hey, they've got the caliber of kids that Ohio State typically goes after. So Ohio State going to try to flip any of those kids? I would say no, where things stand right now. If I'm wrong, then I'll come on here and tell you I'm wrong. But right now – as we record this on a, two, on a Monday afternoon, I would not expect that to be the case. Let's talk quarterbacks. From the 419, love the film on Aaron Nolan. What are the odds we see him challenging McCord out the gate? Does Devin Brown stick around for the quarterback battle next year or transfer in the offseason? Does this probably mark the end of day getting left on red? <laughs> I included that. I really, yeah, it was very good. Getting left on red with high school seniors chasing the number one quarterback nationally if Nolan's career mirrors C.J. Stroud. So just some background information on Aaron Nolan first. Number 29 player, the number four quarterback out of Georgia, five-star recruit, one of four or five stars in this class, I believe, along with Dylan Rayola, Julian Sand, and Florida's commit, D.J. Lagway. Those are the four five-star recruits. And then if you throw in – C.J. Carr, I think that's the top 50 guys in the class. And it, we, we talked about this last week a little bit, but then Michigan's quarterback, Shaden Davis, is number 78, number seven overall quarterbacks. Just the background information. Obviously, Dylan Rayola, who's the number five player, the number two quarterback in the country, committed to Georgia. He originally was committed to Ohio State in the fall, in the spring 
of 2022, was committed for about six or seven months there, and then reopened his commitment, reopened his recruitment, excuse me, ended up at Georgia. Meanwhile, Ohio, that put Ohio State back in business looking for a 2024 quarterback. They you know, offered Julian Sand, who decided he's not budging off of his Alabama commitment. They saw they went and saw Jaden Davis to see if there was any bit of a spark there that was not from either side. And along the way, they were still building a relationship with Aaron Nolan, who was gradually also making his way up the rankings. They offered him at the beginning of April, and by the end of April, he was Ohio State's 2024 quarterback commit. And by the end of the summer, he was a five-star. And now he's got 10,000-plus receiving yards down there at Lincoln Hughes High School in Georgia and is well on his way to you know potentially being the next guy on the list of Ohio State quarterback first-rounders is what he's coming up here to do. I'll say no, Andrew. I think we, we both are allowed to have our own opinion on this because we've both seen enough film on the guy. We've both seen the guy play football, not in person, but we both saw him play on ESPN. For starters, what's just your overall impression of Aaron Nolan, who, by the way, is a left-handed quarterback? So that would be a whole new experience for Ohio State. But what's your overall impressions of Aaron Nolan? Uh, well, I mean, he's really impressive, um, you know, really tall. Um, can get rid of the like I I think I said this on one of the previous pods like when he throws it deep it's more of a flick it, it it's very kind of hard to describe like you know sometimes you see guys you know really kind of launch into it and they lean back and they fire like he just kind of flicks it and it goes I, I thought that that was really impressive um, you know he obviously had that highlight reel play I think it made like top 10 plays or something like that where he had the you know escapability in week one like um, you know they played um, they played on ESPN early in the year. It was a great game, by the way. But, you know, he, he just has that ability to get outside the pocket and to make plays that, you know, maybe not so much in a, you know, like in a Lamar Jackson type of, not, I mean, not that there are many people in this world like Lamar Jackson, but like, you get what I'm saying. Like, he's not going to go and be the true mobile threat, like, we're just going to like, I'm, I am a running back playing quarterback. And I mean that as nicely as I can to Lamar, um, you know, like Lamar Jackson is that elusive and that quick, like Aaron Nolan's not that, but he does have enough elusiveness to get around in the pocket. So that really stands out to me. Um, you know, I, I, he's a very impressive quarterback and a very impressive prospect. Um, so we'll see what happens when he gets here. I, I just typically shy away from, challenging anyone out of the gate if you're an incoming freshman especially a quarterback um now it could get interesting if if McCord is still around if I'm assuming McCord stays for 2024 it could get interesting if Devin Brown is not here like it could get interesting if Devin Brown's if Devin Brown decides to leave now if he does then, or I should say here, let me phrase it this way. If Devin Brown doesn't go, then I think Aaron Nolan, I'd be very surprised if Aaron Nolan sees the field at all. Something will have gone either terribly right or terribly wrong for Ohio State. If Aaron Nolan is genuinely competing for playing time in 2024, um, you know, that, that would be either very good or very bad for Ohio State, because that means he is either com coming in and beating out the dude who started all of 2023 and the dude who was the backup for all of 2023, or just, you know, whether you want to look at that good or bad, that's kind of your opinion on that. Um, but if Devin Brown's not here, then you've got an interesting scenario where look at the, and, and we'll get into this later, but look at the quarterback depth chart 
you got McCord, Devin Brown, Lincoln Keenholz. Like, can Aaron Nolan get to that second spot on the depth chart? And do you view that as pushing McCord? Like, do you view that as challenging McCord for for playing time and maybe saying, hey, when you know when Ohio State plays, you know, uh, Western Michigan next year, and the game is you know forty two to nothing in the third fourth quarter, who comes who comes onto the field? Is it Lincoln or is it Air? And I think that if you want to say that that is a unique aspect of things that like Aaron Nolan could be kind of pushing for that second job, then I'm then I'm cool with it. I just have a hard time looking at all of the things that Kyle McCord has gotten better at this year and you would presume to continue to get better at and say Aaron Nolan's going to come in and immediately be better than that as an incoming freshman. Aaron Nolan's really talented. I think his physical build and a lot of his play style is very similar to what C.J. Stroud was at that age. And we know what C.J. Stroud turned into. I'm not saying that Aaron Nolan's going to turn into a dude who's the number two pick in the NFL draft and is very much overachieving as a rookie quarterback in the NFL right now. I'm not saying that's what he's going to do. I'm not saying that's not what he's going to do. I am saying that with the way the room is set up right now, first of all, Lincoln Keenholz played football on Saturday, and I thought he made a couple of good throws. Sean Thurman also made some big plays on those plays. But he's fourth heading into the spring, assuming nobody leaves. Because I think the idea that Kyle McCord is a one-and-done quarterback is probably out the window yeah. at this point. Yeah. Because he's not going to be a first-round draft pick. One, this quarterback class is kind of loaded. And two, he has not necessarily played at the level that we saw Mac Jones and Dwayne Haskins play at, where that combination of not so deep of a quarterback class mixed with really good one year makes you a first-round draft pick. So he's probably coming back for year two. So then you're asking a question of, was he good enough to keep his job when Devin Brown will then be in year three of the program? when Lincoln Keenholz will be going through his first full offseason because you got to remember Lincoln Keenholz didn't early enroll last year. He showed up in the summer. So is Kyle McCord good enough to keep his job? But even if he's not, let's hypothetically say he's not, Aaron Nolan has to be better than a third-year Devin Brown and a second-year Lincoln Keenholz to be able to do that. I don't know. That's a lot to ask of yeah. for a guy who will at that point be an early enrollee. I think the realistic thing that was going to happen is there's going to be two returning quarterbacks to Ohio State's room just because I think Devin Brown is good enough to play somewhere. And I don't, I'm not, I'm trying to have this conversation in the most careful way possible because I'm not trying to push Devin Brown out the door. Yeah. But I do think he's talented enough to be a starting quarterback for a high level program somewhere. If Kyle McCord comes back and he retains the job, the question is, does Devin Brown decide to stick around for year three of being a backup? Lincoln Keenholz is going to be here. So let's just uh, hypothetically, he doesn't stick around. Lincoln Keenholz is probably your backup next year. And you're in a similar situation that you're in in 2022. And then really this year as well, because Dristan Jebbia is in the room. And I know that he's been probably, he didn't play on Saturday and we haven't necessarily seen him on the field, but he is more just the older guy in the room. More than he is a guy who is expected to be a guy who plays meaningful snaps for you one day. So in 2022, C.J. Stroud was a second-year starting quarterback. And behind him was Kyle McCord in year two and Devin Brown in year one. And ideally, that might be on the table this time around, where Kyle McCord's a second-year starting quarterback. The guy behind him who is his backup is in year two, and then the third-string guy is in year in year one. I just don't. I don't see it. To I think I'm taking the long way to get here. The Aaron Nolan being Ohio State starting 
quarterback conversation starts in 2025. That spring, whoever's in the room with him, whether it's year four, Devin Brown, and year three, Lincoln Keenholz, and year one, Tavian St. Clair at that point while he's in year two, or if it's just Tavian St. Clair and Lincoln Keenholz and Aaron Nolan, or if it's Devin Brown, Aaron Nolan, and Tavian, whatever the room is, Aaron Nolan, I think the best expectation you can have for freshman quarterbacks, even if they're highly rated coming into Ohio State, is in year one, they're learning the system and they're kind of in the background. And if there's an opportunity like we saw against Michigan State on Saturday for that freshman to play, he's going to get an opportunity to play. But I wouldn't expect true freshman quarterbacks to play more than 50 snaps in a given year, unless the room is just that crazy, which it doesn't seem like it's head in that direction. And then in year two, that's when you should expect them to start at least trying to compete for the job. And so, no, I don't expect Aaron Nolan to come in and compete to win the job right away. As you just said, a lot would have to go horribly wrong or horribly right for a true freshman to be starting at Ohio State. Let's take a quick break there, and then when we come back, we've got some some more quarterback talk, how McCord's decision maybe impacts recruiting. We'll be talking five-star receivers and talking fans off the ledge once again of whether or not he will be flipping or whatnot, and much more when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Jeremiah Smith is still taking visits, the number one player in the country, the top wide receiver, five-star recruit. I think he's probably the most highly touted wide receiver recruit in some time, and he's been committed to Ohio State for almost a year. That's what's so interesting about all this, Andrew, is Jeremiah Smith has been comfortably sitting at the top of Ohio State's recruiting class since last December. And for almost a year now, there's been questions about whether or not Jeremiah Smith will be flipping. And we're back here again, once again, with Jeremiah Smith's question from the 703. And I'm sure he wasn't the only person to ask this question, he or she, when you sent out this call. Jeremiah Smith is scaring me. What's the probability that he flips? Andrew, we are a little more than a month away from signing day. Is there any reason why Ohio State fans should be worried that Jeremiah Smith will not make it to late December and sign his letter of intent to Ohio State? Uh, Well, first off, shout out to 703 um, from where that question was sent from. Uh, That's my home area code back in Virginia. So shout out to the person who is worried. Um, So basically, Andrew just told us that he's the one who sent the question. Right, exactly. Yeah, I have a set. I, I use my second phone to text the. Uh, that's how much I love the text service that I that I have a second phone that I se- secretly subscribe to Buckeye Talk text. So exactly. Um, well, so here here's the background of this. Um, Jeremiah Smith was at the Florida State Miami game over the weekend, and I think it's natural for every time you have a committed player to go elsewhere to see nerves, um, to be nervous about, Hey, what's going on to be nervous about, um, Hey, why is he here? Why is this? Uh, and it sounds like the visit with Florida state went pretty well. Um, and he did an interview and he said to reporters after the game, this was on Twitter. I'm sure this is where a lot of the people saw it. Uh, quote, they're in the front right now, I can say for sure, on Florida State. Now, that to me, may, and maybe I'm wrong, Stephen, that to me came off as they're in the front right now of the schools that are trying to flip me. That's the way that I read that. And that is the way that I interpreted that information. So I think a lot of people saw that and a lot of people heard that and went, 
uh-oh, that doesn't sound good. Um, so again, it's totally natural to have uh, no, like he's the number one player in the country. Every school in the country, literally every school in the country would bend over backwards to get him in their recruiting class. So Florida State obviously did that. Um, he is going to take a visit to Florida State later on in the year. Um, you know, there was uh, some reporting done by Florida State site that said, you know, he will take the last visit that he'll take will be to uh, to Florida State before signing day. Um, so that's where the nerves come from. But I would still feel solid with Jeremiah Smith. Like if, if I'm an, if I, like if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm not sitting there going, oh, man, this is bad. Like I would still feel pretty good about where Ohio State is at. He's currently committed to Ohio State um, now. Does that mean other teams are not making a push? Absolutely not, because Florida State's after him. I mean, a couple well, a couple of weeks ago, Stephen, we talked about Miami was big on him. So every school in the country wants him, and every school in the country is trying to make a big deal. Um, you know, he mentioned that you know they're you know you know a big school that he really liked, and you know he liked what Mike Norvell's doing, and he liked a lot of different things, but. It's important to remember Ohio State also has a lot of really good things too. And I, I would feel good about Jeremiah Smith. Um, I would, st- you know, y- y- I will never tell any, I don't care who you are in the class. Like I will never tell anybody to be 100% confident in a recruit because you never know what could happen right up until signing day. Um, so don't take it to the bank and sign, seal, delivered. Jeremiah Smith's going to be in Ohio State's class. You never know. These things can get crazy. I mean, crazier things have happened on signing day, but I would feel fine about where Ohio State's at with Jeremiah Smith. Steven, you laughed a couple times when I was talking, so please indulge us. Jeremiah Smith has had the loudest slash quietest recruitment I've seen. <laughs> I think I, it's it's all understandable though, right? Because what, what coaches will even tell you they want you they want you to commit and then don't take visits anywhere else. Yep. So, and I've had this conversation with somebody before about Jeremiah Smith. It's like, if he really didn't like it that much, he stopped doing it. He stopped taking these visits. He stopped doing all this stuff. Jeremiah Smith is making sure he's doing his due diligence if Ryan Day and Brian Hartline are not at Ohio State. That has been the message that he has put out there for almost a year. He has made that abundantly clear to the program, to the coaching staff. They know it. They will say it. Well, not publicly because they can't talk about recruits publicly, but it is very well known that Jeremiah Smith is coming to Ohio State as long as Brian Hartline and Ryan Day are at Ohio State. If at any point in the next month and a half that changes, then he's not coming to Ohio State anymore. So I think this is a kid who's doing his due diligence because it's it's almost like making sure you know where you're going if you're not going where you're going, if that makes a little bit of sense there. Obviously, it's going to be nerve-wracking, and it's going to continue to be nerve-wracking up until the moment he signs his letter of intent because there's an extra month of this, and as you just said, he's got a scheduled visit to what, Florida State or Miami again at some point next month? Yeah, he told the Florida State site that he was going to go back in December. So it's not – it's going to be something that's going to have you on the edge of your seat for quite a while there, but it's – you I have to keep coming back to – if Brian Hartline and Ryan Dare at Ohio State, Jeremiah Smith is coming. And 
the reason why he's coming is because if you look at what Marvin Harrison Jr. is right now, Marvin Harrison Jr. is built just like Jeremiah Smith is. And raw talent, you might be able to make the case that Jeremiah Smith is a better from a raw talent standpoint. Now, does he have the work ethic that Marvin Harrison Jr. has? I don't know. He has a little bit of the pedigree. He, his dad's not a Hall of Fame wide receiver, but he's got an NFL ped- pedigree. His cousin is Geno Smith, who's right now the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. So he's got an NFL pedigree of his own. But the raw talent point, he's going to be, of this run of wide receivers Brian Hartline has brought in here, Jeremiah Smith has the highest ceiling of all of them just from a raw talent standpoint. So, And if the guy who's mo- he's most comparable to in the room right now is probably Marvin Harrison Jr. And then Cardinal Tate right under that. They're under that same tree there. And he played with Cardinal Tate and Brandon Ennis on the 707 circuit. But all this is irrelevant. The point is, if Brian Hartline and Ryan Day are still at Ohio State, Ohio State sure as well believes that Jeremiah Smith is coming. So unless that changes, our answer on should you be worried about Jeremiah Smith flipping is going to continue to be no. Well, and and also, too, you mentioned have a plan B um, I don't know how many listeners to this. I've certainly never had this in my life. How many times have you ever been able to show up to something and been treated like the Beatles? And everywhere you go, you have people telling you how great you are. And you get to go see, like, he's from Florida. And you get to go see Florida State Miami as, like, a high-priced recruit. And you get to take in the scenes of Florida State. Like, you get to take in all of these different things. I Like, I understand that, you know, there are variables here but you get to be you get to be kind of wanted for a little bit and you get to go see florida state miami which you know i i would have to check but i'm sure he knows guys that are on florida state knows guys that are on miami or no has met play like this is a cool it's a cool environment for some of these kids to go see so you know it, it's 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 having a plan b but it's also just i'm gonna go check out a really cool college football game too that's a good point florida state's a really good football team not so much miami yeah, but the Florida State part of this, yeah, they're a good football team. And you that get to rivalry see the game matters in Florida too. It's a cool, it's a cool rivalry down there, and you know, going to see that would it's, be pretty fun. It's even better when one of the programs decides to be good, which is not always the case. But point made. You know, it's, it's a chance to go see a free football game, and he's yeah. from Miami, basically. So that's it's understandable why he keeps doing that. Couple more questions here. One more quarterback question, actually. From Adam in the 440, how does Kyle McCord entering or not entering the draft affect quarterback recruitment? Does this impact anything if Kyle McCord, who is in year three, because so far in the Ryan Day era, we've seen quarterbacks leave in year three. Dwayne Haskins left after year three, even though he was a one-year starter. Justin Fields was in his second year at Ohio State, but his third year as a college football player, he went pro. C.J. Stroud left in year three. Kyle McCord could have left after year three and he still could like we don't know he might just decide to leave after this year but more than likely that doesn't seem like that's about to happen and he's going to be back for year four they haven't had a fourth year starting quarterback not fourth years in year starting but fourth year in the program and he's a starter since jt Parrott was a starter in 2016 during his fourth year does that do anything to throw off ohio state football's quarterback recruiting or does it matter it does it does matter for recruiting but recruiting for the portal because like in terms of the freshman class, like like let's say McCord is gone, so you're losing Jebbia, you're losing McCord, and then you have a class, then you have a quarterback room that has 
scholarship players, Devin Brown, Lincoln Keenholz, Aaron Nolan. That's not really where you would want to be entering a year, especially considering you don't. I mean, Lincoln Keenholz, we've talked about him kind of being a long-term project. He's going to really? take some. I mean, that's not like a pretty good room to me to, to get a talented quarterback out of that situation. I, I understand. But are you, do you, I, I would want to go into a year with four. I would want to go into a year with four scholarship players. And I'm not saying oh, you okay. have to, I'm not saying you have to go into the portal and try and grab Riley Leonard. I'm not saying you have to try and go into the portal and grab, uh, I think it's Michael Pratt, the kid from Tulane or Cam Rising from Utah. I'm not saying you have to go and just say, wow, we need a starter. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. There's nothing wrong with finding a guy who can be 2024's Tristan Jebbia. Like there, you can, like if you if you can you yeah. can tell a guy, hey, we need a second or a third quarterback, and it's better than being a second or a third quarterback wherever you're going to be at. So come win a national champion. Maybe you can find somebody from Ohio. Like you don't have to go after the Sam Hartman of 2023. You don't have to go after the Hudson Card of 2023. Like you don't have to go after the big movers and shakers. You can find a veteran, but I would want four in the room just for reps and practice and then just for having that veteran guy because, you know, we mentioned that, you know, McC- you know, you lose Jebbia, you lose that veteran room. Well, okay, well, McCord would be in his fourth year. You lose that, you would have Devin Brown in his third year, Lincoln Keenholz in his second year, and Aaron Nolan in his first. You don't have, like, I understand Devin Brown's played some. That's not a ton of experience in the room. I would just personally like to have some experience in that room. So I'm not saying that it would mean you have to go out and get a starter because Devin Brown can't do it or anything like that. Um, now, if you don't think Devin Brown can do it, then maybe go get a portal guy. But like the, that, getting a portal guy, I think a lot of people construe that as, oh, they need to go get a portal guy to start. No, like sometimes you can go get a portal guy to be quality depth. And sometimes that that's an attractive option for somebody who might have been quality depth somewhere else. So if 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 McCord bails and you're left with the quarterback trio of Brown, Keenholz, and Nolan, I would look to a fourth, but I would not look to another freshman. I would look for some experience. I think using that fourth scholarship spot for guys like Tristan Jebby is probably a good use of that position. Yeah. If you want to keep it at four. Because that because Tristan Jebby came here understanding he wasn't coming here to be starting quarterback. There's three guys in the room who have legitimate shots of being the starting quarterback at some point in their career here. That was Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, and Lincoln Keenholz when he got here. Now, part of the reason they needed to go get Jebbia is because Lincoln Keenholz wasn't showing up until the summertime, and you can't go through the spring with just two quarterbacks. That would have been – that's kind of insane there. So if you have, to your point, let's if Kyle McCord were to leave after this year, you're talking about a room with Devin Brown, Lincoln Keenholz, and Aaron Nola, knowing that – one of those three is going to be your starter, and then you go get that veteran guy who is more, more just like another adult in the room. I think that's a good play, way to use that piece. Now, if if Kyle McCord comes back, you might not need that, and you might still need it anyway. You might because depending on what I I find it hard to believe they're going to have four guys in the spring where three of them are returning guys. Just because the transfer portal is the way it works, yeah, it, it doesn't mean it's yeah, it's world. not a problem but if you if, have guys transfer. Yeah, but if every other year you're bringing in like this veteran Tristan Jebbia type, while you're still bringing in a highly rated guy in every single cycle, I think that's a good way to go about things. A couple right. more thi- things, just more of a in the know stuff from Peter in nine seven three. 
Who are the top possible late flips OSU has a high chance of pulling off, especially for defensive line and offensive line? Do you think there will be any surprise decommitments on signing day? If so, who? So let's handle the flip part first. Are there any people, we're in flip season when you're talking about recruiting here, are there any guys that people should be keeping their eye on as potential Ohio State flips? Yeah, there's two. Um, You should be keeping an eye on Gabe Van Sickle. He's an offensive lineman. Um, He was just at the Michigan State game this past weekend. He is currently committed to Northwestern. Um, Six foot five offensive lineman, 283, uh, committed to Northwestern, three star recruit. Coopersville, Michigan, um, number 860 overall in the composite rankings on 247. Um, but Ohio State is uh, is kind of after him. Like I said, he was at the game. Um, they seem to have some decent momentum with him. So I would I would keep an eye on that, and I would start to think that maybe that's a possibility. Um, Ohio State, you know, there it's a it's a unique recruitment because you look at some of his other offers. Now he committed in May to Northwestern, so. You know, maybe sometimes that scares teams off. I, I, you know, you can kind of take it a couple different ways. But he's got an offer from Northwestern Ohio State. And his other offers are Bowling Green, Central Michigan, Indiana, Miami, Northern Illinois, and Western Michigan. So a lot of Mac schools and then Indiana. Um, so that's kind of where you're at with Ohio State. You know, they they could see something. I, maybe they just need another number. Maybe they could see something there. Because obviously, if you remember, Mark Nave left the class. Um, earlier a couple of weeks ago, he was involved and, and obviously he, uh, he is no longer with the 2024 class. So, you know, he would kind of be that replacement, um, from what you can gather. So keep an eye on him. We'll, we'll see what comes with him. Um, the more high, highly touted recruit that Ohio state is, is still after is Amaris Williams. He is from Clinton, North Carolina, um, he is the number 100 player in the 247 composite rankings, number 100 overall. Actually, I just realized he is from the same area that my uh, family adopted our dog from. Um, so shout out Clinton, North Carolina. My family rescued a dog. One fact. Boy. Yeah, there was North Carolina. There were North Carolina flooding like in like 2016 or something like that. And my parents got um, my parents got a dog and they just named him after the city he was from. So his name was Clinton until uh, my family renamed him Jack. So shout out Clinton, North Carolina. Uh, shout out Jack. Um, the so Ohio State is after him. He, he took the visit on October 21st to Ohio State. Um, you know, this is a this is a kid who obviously I mean, when you're talking about what you can add to what you can add to the class. I mean, you've got Justin Scott and Edric Houston, and now you add, or you could hypothetically add Amaris Williams again, six, three, two seventy. He's a guy who he's really, really quick for a defensive lineman. Um, you know, he can like, he could, he could honestly play as a defensive tackle or as a defensive end. Um, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of athleticism, you know, he's a track athlete. Like this is a true twitchy defensive lineman that, you know, a lot of programs would want. So he is bigger, but he can move. So you can play him really at a three. He's not going to play nose, but you can play him at a three or as one of your defensive ends. So Ohio state's after him. He's current Florida commit. Like I said, um, it is important to note that like when, when we're talking about this, like with Jeremiah Smith, a lot of programs are after a lot of different guys because what what you'll see and, and obviously if you follow recruiting enough, you'll know that 
one guy leaves one class that you don't even, it is not even remotely related to somewhere. And all of a sudden that has a domino effect on the rest of recruiting. You know, like if, like, for example, if, you know, like, I don't want to even scare the possibility, but like, let's just say Chance Robinson commits to Ohio State, you know, you have a guy like that flip. Okay, well, then that changes things for, um, that changes things for Miami. And then what does Miami do? And then it kind of like, it, it all goes. So Ohio State can get involved in this flip train in a couple of different ways, but those are the two guys that I would be looking at. I, I mentioned Chance Robinson, um, you know, just kind of as a throw in there, but he is, you know, obviously Ohio State is interested in him. Uh, he was back in Columbus this past weekend. So you get three options there that Ohio State's after. Robinson, ranked number 155. He is a receiver commit. Uh, so he'd be their fourth receiver commit of the 24 class. So those are three names that I would keep an eye on. Not predicting any of those things to happen per se. I'm just saying you should keep an eye on them and you should get to know those names. So we had some Michigan questions, but I think we we kind of went in depth the Michigan yeah. Ohio State recruiting the week before, so we won't touch on that here. One last name I just want to ask you about, just because I think he was supposed to make his visit over the weekend. And that's Jordan Seaton, number 16 player, the number one offensive tackle. That visit actually happened. Did it actually happen? No, it did not. Um, so Seton is there's Ohio State still recruiting him. Um, he was not on campus, but Ohio State is still is still involved. Um, he had originally scheduled it, um, but you you know you look at Seton. He, he um, obviously he's a really talented offensive lineman. He's one of the offensive linemen that a lot of people would get excited about. You know, we've talked a lot about offensive linemen like Gabe Van Sickle's not moving the needle for Ohio State. Um, you know, or Ohio State fans, I should say, you know, people are going to look, oh man, eight, six, what are we doing? I can't believe we're settling with this, that, and the other. Jordan Seaton is the guy, he's ranked number 16th overall nationally in the 247 composite rankings. Uh, he's the number one offensive tackle in those composite rankings. Um, like I said, IMG, he's got a lot of schools on his tail. You know, he, oh, this is going to be a battle for Ohio State to try and reel him in. Um, you know, he's got a lot of different schools that are after him. He's currently competing for um, – he's still playing at IMG. You know, they're still, their season is still going. You know, that was one of the reasons why he didn't come to Columbus. So there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, you know, Alabama's involved. Tennessee's involved. Um, you know, Oregon's involved. Like there's a lot of big-time, big-program schools. So it's going to be an uphill battle for Ohio State. Ohio State is still recruiting him. Obviously, they would have loved to have him on campus this weekend. But – Getting getting Seton would be a major play for this class, and we're just going to have to see where this takes us. But it, it is going to be a hard time for Ohio State to get him. Just like I would tell you know every other program, it's going to be a hard time to reel that kid in. So Ohio State's got the number two class in the country right now. 23 commits, five five stars. Those five five stars at least the country right now. No one has more than that. 14 four stars. It's worth 304.09 points. It's got an average star rating of 93.53. That's literally 0. 0-1 behind Georgia, who also has four more commits. So we talk about this a lot with Ohio State classes. Sometimes it's quality over quantity in terms of where they are in the recruiting rankings. They're well on their way to another top five, maybe top three, even top two recruiting class in the country. Should you be worried about Jeremiah Smith? I mean, sure, put 15%. Yeah, just because, you, you know, these are kids and people make decisions, but not really. Jordan Seaton, as Andrew was just telling you, it's going to be a hard thing to pull that off, especially since he's canceled 
what was supposed to be his official visit and a couple of guys you should be watching out for as we enter flip season here. Signing day, a little more than a month away in December as that. But for right now, the, the focus right now is Ohio State versus Minnesota on Saturday at 3 o'clock. And the even bigger for, for focus is what happens next week when Ohio State has to Ann Arbor to face Michigan for a chance to go not only to the Big Ten championship game, but also to probably lock in a college football playoff spot, which might be the number one spot depending on how things continue to shake out. As you're listening to this, we're back at the Woody talking with Ryan Day, talking with Jim Knowles, finding out all the information as Ohio State prepares to place the Golden Gophers on Saturday. Get the text 614-350-3315. Andrew texts out a lot of recruiting stuff. We text out a lot of stuff. We text everything before we write a story, do a pod, do a video, or anything else about it. So for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.